Somebody leaves it to Danny Murphy. Scores! Plum centre. He doesn't know which way he's going to go. You see Heskey plonk himself right in the middle. He just can't get round. It's a peach of a free kick. Scrapes the post almost as it goes in. Watch this wonderful precision from Young Murphy. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central Podcast 2001 Anniversary Celebrations. Today we're going to take a look back at another one of Liverpool's key men in that 2001 treble of the FA Cup. League Cup and UEFA Cup. We're talking about the workhorse, Danny Murphy, the midfielder. He had a great Liverpool career that spanned over 200 games and won lots of trophies, including the three that we're here to talk about today. Yeah, so how do we kind of view his Liverpool career as a whole, James? Obviously, he kind of came in at the turn of the 90s. I think he came in from Crew Alexander and, and stayed up until around 2004, 2005. Like I say, 200 games, fair few trophies in the cabinet as well. How do we sum his career for Liverpool as a whole? I think if, if you're talking about Liverpool as a whole, I think he, he had a very successful career at Liverpool. He was a player for the big occasions, you know, the goals he scored at Old Trafford and the goals he scored against Manchester United. He was, as we've spoken about with uh, on, about Gerard Houllier, he was one of the young lads who Gerard could really depend on, um, along with the experienced lads in the squad. So I think as a whole in his Liverpool career, it was a pretty successful one. Um, yeah, I... I... Dan Murphy sort of he's he's a funny character. He was he was there and a pretty integral part of the weird treble that Liverpool won and then winning the League Cup the year after that. But he's just you almost forget him. Um he's kind of like the English Yossi Ben Ayun. He made a lot of contributions, but he's never sort of at the forefront of your mind in terms of someone who, you know, really contributed. I mean, I, I was quite young when he well, I, as we all were, when um, uh, when Danny Murphy was at the peak of his playing career with Liverpool. But I remember him popping up at Old Trafford quite a few times and pissing off the Stratford end quite a lot. So you can only give him props for that. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think nowadays, when you think of midfielders, like central midfielders, they kind of come in two boxes. You either have, you know, your attacking midfielders, your creative guys at the top end of the pitch, or you have your defensive midfielders, you kind of Fabinho's of this world who kind of, shield the back four and mop things up there. But I feel like in the early 2000s, late 90s, a midfielder was very much a jack of all trades. They could attack, they could defend, they could tackle, they could pass. I think that's something that Murphy kind of encapsulated in his style of play. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think he had a great engine about him. I think, like you said, in that late 90s, early 2000s sort of era, if you couldn't run, that's when you became a defensive midfielder. Um, and I think if you could run, you became a box-to-box. And I just think he had a knack for, you know, as Max alluded to, popping up in the big games. And it's, I think it's just his, his work rate and his work ethic probably dragged him further than what he probably should have gone. Yeah, I mean, he he was such an integral part of that Gerard Houllier team. And I, th- I think the fact that Gerard Houllier is very much about the collective, about the group, I mean, like... I, I can't see, um, for example, Rafa Benitez buying Gary McAllister at the same age that um, that Gerard Julia did. If you put Benitez in that situation, um, but he brought he brought McAllister in um, to help you know the young players through, and also it was great for the team spirit. Whereas Benitez clearly looked not incorrectly at Danny Murphy and said to himself, do you know what? I think Xavi Alonso is just about what you picked in central midfield. So get get you out and get him in. 
uh, get a very a very cool looking Spaniard to get uh, and get the slight Bruce Willis lookalike out of uh, out of the club, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> well, saying that, it kind of goes on to my next point because you can obviously see that Alonso is obviously a, a much better player than than Danny Murphy was, um, much more naturally talented and, and kind of had more finesse about him. But at that kind of time where, you know, the year we won the treble and the intervening years around it, we were obviously blessed with local British Liverpool scouts talent, you know, Jamie Carragher, Stephen Gerrard, Michael Owen. Do you think because of that, Murphy may be somewhat underrated by Liverpool fans? Yeah, I think there's a case for that, like you said. I just think that team at around around that time was the centre and the focus around it was, like you said, that young English talent. And I think the way you saw Steven Gerrard and Michael Owen go from future talents all the way up to, you know, potentially the best in their position in the league, I think that's where Danny Murphy sort of gets overlooked because he sort of stayed at the same level as them at the beginning, but just could not make that next step up. Um, and I think that's perhaps why he is overlooked by Liverpool fans of that era and of that generation. I think part of it is down to the fact as well that England had a lot of great midfielders at that time, despite the fact that with international tournaments, you wouldn't know it. But you had, like at that time, you had David Beckham, you had um, Owen Hartgreaves was coming into it later on, you had Stephen Gerrard, you had Frank Lampard, you had Paul Scholes, um, you had like even Paul Ince was coming to the end of his career at that point. Um I think I tell you who he reminds me of a little bit, not necessarily in terms of his style of play, but in terms of how he's remembered. I feel like Danny Murphy is Liverpool's Nicky Butt, someone who made a lot of contributions and but and was a very seven out of ten kind of player, but was but will never be mentioned in like you know a list of greats for either club. Yeah, I think that's a really really good comparison. Actually, I think I forgot Nicky Butt even existed until you he made that point. But he was the type of player that Ferguson would love because he'd do the basics right get it pass it nothing flashy like very kind of standard midfielder and I think Murphy falls into that category quite nicely as well um in terms of his impact in 2001 and his role in in the kind of treble winning team how do you think that's obviously in terms of silverware far and away Danny Murphy's greatest career moment um his role in that what do you kind of think he brought to the table, James? I think he brought, like we, we talked about before, his, his work rate. I think if you looked at that midfield as a whole, the likes of Steven Gerrard, the likes of, we mentioned Gary McAllister, and you've also had Diddy Haman in there and players of that at calibre. I think he just gave Gerrard the option to go forward a little bit more because he was more of a box-to-box than Steven Gerrard. And he was also complimenting McAllister well because he'd sit deep or Diddy Haman had sit deep and, he would just run around and he would be the guy who would work himself into the ground and put his put his body on the line, really, in a fitness sense. And I think because of what he brought to the team and what he did, other players around him, you know, their games were raised because they were able to go into positions that they enjoyed more than perhaps a box-to-box role, which Danny Murphy was more than happy to to take on. Yeah, I mean, there, there were absolutely more talented players in that team. I mean, like, even looking outside of that, you know, that English core you had Yari Lippmann was in that team at the time he was coming to the end of his career but still a fabulously talented player um yeah uh, Vladimir Smitsa came in and, uh, and at that point was seen as like you know this incredibly talented player he unfortunately um never managed to get it but you had Danny Murphy in there to make sure that he would just work hard do the basics do the four four bloody two kind of <laughs> 
um, kind of very English shift. Um, I feel like I'm aging as I uh, as I make this point, um, <laughs> slowly gaining weight and becoming Sam Allardyce. Um, but yeah, no, Danny Danny Murphy was the, a very sort of honest English pro, but he had great technique. I mean, like there's a reason that he was taking free kicks at the time. Gary McAllister and Steven Gerrard were both at the club. He was still taking set pieces. You don't do that unless you've got some technical quality about you. Absolutely. And then in 2004, Rafa Benitez comes in and there's a little bit of a kind of an exodus of players. Michael Owen was one that went and, and Danny Murphy himself also went to Charlton Athletic. As we previously men- mentioned, the likes of, Xavi Alonso came in, Luis Garcia, one or two others who kind of could occupy those midfield positions. Right time for him to move on, James, or, you know, he missed, potentially missed out on a Champions League winners medal? Yeah, I think that's going to, that's something that he won't want to look back on, <laughs> you know, further down the line. But I do think it was the right time to move him on. Like I said before, he he sort of had a ceiling and he and he got to that point and Gerard had, had gone way above what, what, we, anyone ever thought he was going to ever become and it's always the case when a new manager comes in he tries to bring his own identity he tries to bring his own players in and I don't think Danny Murphy would have suited the rigid technical you know side of, of Rafa Benitez so even if he had stayed for another season I don't think he'd ever played many games and he might have even gone off in January um, so I think it was it was probably the right time to end and before it got ugly yeah yeah I mean like, I I just from my personal memories of him, I, I would have been sad to have seen him just start to rot on the bench and, you know, um, and go out as this sort of, like, guy who was past it at Liverpool. And he went on to have a very decent um, end to his career with Charlton Athletic and Fulham. Um, yeah, he, he was fine. Again, he was a very 7 out of 10 player, but he, as you say, he, he was not getting into a midfield with Didi Haman. Um, Steven Gerrard and Javi Alonso and he, he, that just wasn't happening um, so yeah I my, my memories of him will be the fonder for the fact he left I think and looking at his career post Liverpool obviously Charlton was where he went and Max mentions Fulham there who perhaps other than Liverpool are the club he's most synonymous with we also had a forgettable spell at Tottenham Hotspur and, and Blackburn Rovers is where he retired but Particularly at Fulham, he played quite a key role in their kind of era between like 2007, 2010, in, in many different senses. He was the guy who scored the goal that saved them from relegation on the last day of the season. Um, and he's also captained them to you know a Europa League final, which when you look back on, Fulham got to the Europa League final in 2010 facing Atletico Madrid, who had knocked Liverpool out uh, in the other semi-final. Looking back now, that's quite staggering that he did that. Yeah, it, it is, especially when, like you said, when... He scored the goal on the final day of the season. Where you look at Fulham, when you look at where they were at that point, I think they just got rid of uh, Sanchez was the manager at the time, I think. And then Roy Hodgson, the famous Roy Hodgson, comes in and puts all the responsibility onto Danny Murphy on the pitch and sort of says, I want you to be the voice on the pitch. And he just completely ran away with it, still scoring some wonderful goals down at Craven Cottage. And like you said, to captain a Fulham side that beat Juventus on the way through to the Europa League. I know it's not the Juventus of old, but it still had the likes of Del Piero and, and, and Trezeguet in, in that team. So I think, you know, for what he did in that season, you know, it deserves all the credit um, that it gets. But after the Liverpool two, after the, the season we're talking about now, I think that's probably his best season that he's had. And 
you know, what a season it was for him. Yeah, I mean, to to do to have that sort of legacy at a club like Fulham, like Fulham aren't used to that sort of thing. And to have that legacy and to have led that team will be something that he should be applauded for 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 the rest of his life. Um, he he helped so many Fulham fans reach a place where I'm sure they didn't expect their club to get to. Um, and I think his experience from his time at Liverpool would absolutely have helped um, in that run up towards the, um, at the time, I think, UEFA Cup fight. And yeah, I think we have to salute him for that. And to play as well as he did under the sort of pressure he was under to be the main man where he hadn't really been before to that extent um, is something um, fantastic. Yeah, and you look at the teams that Fulham played in, in that kind of route to that final. They finished second in the group um, to Roma, <clears throat> and then they faced in their knockouts Shakhtar Donetsk, Juventus, Wolfsburg, who had won the Bundesliga in 2009, so a year prior. And then in the semifinals, they beat Hamburg, who at the time were one of Germany's you know, like biggest teams. So they overcame some really, really kind of big opposition. Just finally, just some kind of final words on his overall kind of impact. And I guess we spoke about it before in that kind of run up towards the end of the season, that 2001 campaign, Liverpool played a lot of big matches, uh, the FA Cup final against Arsenal, the UEFA Cup final against Alaves, but also they were fighting for top four and Champions League players, which they also achieved. So people like Murphy, who maybe weren't always first name on the team sheets, but were part of the squad, very, very important, weren't they, James? Yeah, I think especially during that season, the squad was more important than the starting eleven. I think you know we spoke about it when we spoke about Gerard Houllier. Where Liverpool played every game of every competition, sixty-eight games. Liverpool played out of sixty-eight, and you have to have a squad to go through that. We're, you know, we're seeing it in in the present day. Liverpool squad depth isn't what it should be. You see the struggles they've got when they get a few injuries, and I think it speaks a lot about a player, as, as like you said doesn't play week in, week out, doesn't start, but still has that determination and still has the love for the club to still put a shift in, whether he's playing for 90 minutes, whether he's playing for five minutes. And I think that just, I think that needs more, needs to be highlighted more than than what his football ability was, because I just think it tells you everything you needed to know about him as a person. Yeah, I think I think that's it, James. Um, for him to have had as much of an impact on the younger English lads um, that he clearly did, um, and the sort of friendships that he formed in that squad would have been so helpful in the run-up to those months. I mean, that squad, by and large, the best players in it weren't that experienced. Um, and for him to help guide them um, through that um, as a slightly more senior man than the likes of Gerard and, um, and Michael Owen, I, I think it was fantastic. Um, and I think that... Liverpool fans should remember him as they do that season. Uh, remember him very fondly as a core part of the legacy of Gerard Houllier's uh, trouble winning side. Absolutely. Um, thank you, James and Max, for your time. No problem. Thanks for having us. Always a pleasure, mate. We'll be back very soon to have another look at one of Liverpool's greats from the 2001 treble season. But until then, we'll see you very, very soon. Goodbye. And he leaves it to Danny Murphy. Scores! And it's plumb centre. He doesn't know which way he's going to go. You see Heskey 
plonk himself right in the middle. He just can't get round. It's a peach of a free kick. Scrapes the post almost as it goes in. Watch this wonderful precision from Young Murphy.